This is Crossroads with Clayton King. Every year when Christmas rolls around, I hear the statistics. I'm sure you hear the same thing, that this is the time of year when so many people feel alone, discouraged, depressed, and hopeless. Every one of us could use more joy in our lives. And this, of all the times of year, is the season where we need and we can have more joy. But that joy is found only in a relationship with Jesus. That's the source of our joy. And this message is gonna point you in the right direction to get more joy in your life during the Advent season. Enjoy this message and get some more joy. working definition as we dig into Luke chapter one today. What is joy? This is my own personal working definition of what joy actually is. It is a settled assurance in the love and faithfulness of Jesus. That's what joy is to me. More than happiness, more than positivity. It means that when the world is trying to steal my joy, when there are wars and rumors of war, when there's political upheaval, when there's economic uncertainty, I can have a settled assurance in my heart that God loves me and that God is faithful to his promises. That is what joy is. But the world is constantly trying to steal your joy. And this series, we unpack from Luke chapter one, a story of joy. Luke, who wrote this book, wrote this book as a defense or an apologetic, proving that Jesus was who he claimed to be. And the way that Luke writes is so beautiful. In today's message, we're gonna see Luke pull back from the Old Testament. We're gonna see characters like Gabriel, like Elizabeth, like John the Baptist in the womb, and Mary, who this message is about, experience joy even when the world tried to steal that joy from them. This is a story of joy. Luke wrote this to a man named Theophilus. We don't know much about Theophilus, he was a patron. We know that his name means friend of God or lover of God. And Luke went to find a detailed account of the events of the life of Jesus. Luke interviewed eyewitnesses and I believe that Luke interviewed Mary so that he could record this story in the scriptures as he writes this account to prove to Theophilus that Jesus was indeed the savior of the world and the Messiah. And this is a story of disappointment. This is a story that includes doubt. This is a story that includes worry and fear, but ultimately a story that includes joy. Number one, I want you to write this down. We're always disappointed when we think what happens will make us happy. We're always disappointed. When we think that what happens to us is gonna create joy inside of us. Christmas is, according to all the statistics you can read, for many people, a very sad and discouraging time of year. And when we get disappointed, disappointment can lead to doubt and doubt can steal our joy. I don't know if you've ever been disappointed at Christmas, but you know that a lot of times you have an idea of what your life is gonna look like and when Christmas rolls around, you know, you, you kind of know what you want. And if you've ever failed to get what you want for Christmas, it can be disappointing. True story, 
1982, I was 10 years old. I got up for Christmas morning and there were Star Wars action figures out. There were wrapped boxes. There was a, a, a Spider-Man outfit that my little brother got that Christmas. But then my dad, my dad was Joe and my mom was Jane, all right? Now y'all know I grew up on a farm. I grew up hunting. I grew up around animals, a little bit of context. My dad was not the most romantic gift giver. Case in point, on Christmas morning, probably the greatest look of disappointment I've ever seen in my life was on my mom's face when all of the presents had been opened. And my dad says, now, Miss Jane, I saved the best for last. He walks over behind the Christmas tree, grabs a box, hands the box wrapped in wrapping paper to my mom. She tears the paper off. She opens up the box. I kid you not, New Spring, inside the box, the Christmas gift that my dad bought for his bride, the love of his life, his wife was a 410 shotgun. My dad bought my mom a shotgun. The look of doubt and disappointment and depression on my mama's face still haunts me to this day. Disappointment happens when we set up an expectation of what's gonna happen to us. Let's look at Mary when she gets the word of a surprise. You talk about a Christmas surprise, Mary's about to get one. Verse 26, Luke chapter one, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, greetings favored woman, the Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. When Gabriel the angel appears to Mary and gives her the news, God has favored you. She had no idea what that might mean because when we think about favor, we think about expectations. God's favor on my life will mean that my kids get a scholarship, that I graduate from the best school, that I get a nice, um, a nice job, that I get a pay increase every year. But in life, you know this as well as I do, very seldom do we get exactly what we think we're gonna get. And then disappointment sinks in. And if we're not careful, we'll begin to doubt the goodness of God based on the disappointment that is a result of what we expected God to do. Here is Mary. Mary is by all accounts, probably a teenage girl, 15, 16 years old. And an angel visits her and says to her, God's favor is on you. He has anointed you. I've got something to tell you. And she is troubled by that. I love the fact that this story of joy tells us that Mary didn't just jump up and down and cut cartwheels. She knew that when an angel comes to give you a message like this, it's gonna be really important and it's gonna be very difficult. She's troubled in her heart. Doesn't feel like favor. Doesn't feel like favor. I can speak in my own life and say that my story of joy feels a lot like Mary's story of joy, plans being interrupted. She's already had, she's got a plan. What's her plan? I'm gonna marry Joseph. I'm betrothed to Joseph. He's also from the lineage of King David. He is of the Messianic line. She was 
betrothed. They, they had a date set. She's gonna have some children. They're gonna raise a family. They're gonna live right there in, 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 in Israel. They're gonna farm the same land. Joseph is a carpenter. He's a hardworking man, a man of character, a man of valor, a man of integrity. Her plans are set. And then what happens? God sends a messenger angel, Gabriel, who had already been to her cousin Elizabeth to say, hey, I know you're old and you've been trying to have a baby and you can't get pregnant, but guess what? You are pregnant now. Gabriel is now on a mission. God says, go tell Elizabeth she's having a baby. Now go tell Mary she's having a baby. And Mary gets some news that she did not plan on. When God interrupts your plans, you can have joy knowing that God never makes a mistake. Ever. And that even when your world is upside down, even when you're fighting cancer, even when you have just lost a loved one, your joy can remain intact. Hey, I can testify to this. I'm not just talking about theoretical stuff here. I'm talking about real life. In 2010, my mom dies, dropped dead of a heart attack. And I stood at the graveside and watched them lower her body into the ground. And even though I grieved over my mom's death, there was joy knowing she is with the Lord. A year later, I walk into a hospice room in Simpsonville, South Carolina, and I walk up to my dad's dead body a year after I preached my mama's funeral. And I see my dead dad's body there. And even though I grieve feeling like I'm 39 and I'm an orphan and my mom and dad are dead, there was joy that fought through all of that grief and all of that confusion because I knew my dad is with the Lord and one day I'll be with the Lord and I have hope in the resurrection. Even though Mary was troubled in her heart, she did not, listen, she did not disbelieve God's word. You can be disappointed. You can even have doubt. It doesn't mean you have to disbelieve because joy is that settled assurance that no matter what comes my way, I can't handle it, but God can. And because God is in me, with me, and for me, I can have joy. Point number two, doubt is natural, but joy is supernatural. It's natural to doubt. There are a lot of things I don't understand. And Mary had her doubts about this message. Doubt is natural. It doesn't disqualify you from having joy. You know that, right? Your doubts don't disqualify you from having a story marked by the joy of the Lord. Luke 1, 34 through 37 gives us a little more of the detail about what happened in this story. So the angel tells Mary uh, a message from God and listen to what happens. Mary asks the angel, um, how can this be since I have not had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Oh, and, and here's one way that God's gonna provide some joy, some stability, some encouragement for you, Mary. Uh, consider this, your relative Elizabeth, even though even her, even though she's old, even though she's past her prime, even though the biological clock has stopped ticking, even she has conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called childless for nothing will be impossible with God. I love how Luke writes this. Luke is so intricate in his detail. He, he, he uses uh, what we call a, a coupling type of, of style in, in writing this. Two 
messages sent from the angel. Two women getting pregnant. One of them is too old. One of them is too young. One of them has tried and failed forever. One of them has never even been with a man. It draws up Old Testament images of pregnancies in the Old Testament. Sarah and Hagar, the story of Abraham and Sarah, Rachel and Leah, now Mary and Elizabeth. And here she is. The angel says, I know this doesn't make sense to you. I know this is not physically possible, but our God is supernatural. And the doubt you're feeling right now, natural. But what you can experience now, Mary, and what you will experience is the supernatural presence of the almighty God. As a matter of fact, the son of God is gonna live in your womb. Isn't that crazy? This is the story of Mary that she did not ever anticipate or expect this to happen. This is your story. You could have never predicted that your life would look the way it looks right now, 10 years ago, five years ago, one year ago. But when life comes at you fast and when life comes at you in unexpected ways, we can look at Mary and realize I have supernatural joy in me. There is a source of joy that the world cannot touch. There are two pregnancy stories here. There are two women here. There are two babies here. There are two angelic announcements here. There are two different responses here. And when we see that her question is asked, how can this be? The angel actually explains it to her, but she didn't understand it all. And we'll never understand all of it. So I want you to bring your doubts to church with you. I want you to bring your doubts to Jesus. See, what we do with our doubts is really what stirs up the joy inside of us. We can doubt what God's up to because we don't understand it, but the right thing to do is to come to church. The right thing to do is go to the word. The right thing to do is pray. The right thing to do is verbalize it and vocalize it to God. The wrong thing to do is to take that thing that you're doubting and that you're confused about and, and, um, and go on social media with it. Let some self-proclaimed specialist or professional tell you, somebody you've never met on YouTube, explain to you why you shouldn't trust God or help you deconstruct your faith. When we put our yes on the altar, God puts his plan to work. We'll continue this message in just a moment, but I wanna ask you to help us. We actually, right now, really need your help. Our ministry just opened a brand new retreat center on Lake Hartwell in South Carolina, the Crossroads Retreat. And we're trying to raise $300,000 to finish this debt free. It's a beautiful retreat and you can help us. We've just had a donor step up and make a $100,000 matching commitment. That means every gift that's given during this season will be matched dollar for dollar up to $100,000. Would you help us? Everything that you give is gonna be doubled. You can go to thecrossroadsretreat.com, thecrossroadsretreat.com and make any tax deductible donation there and all of your gifts will be doubled. Now, back to the message. My job is just to say yes. And when I put my yes on the altar, God puts his plan to work. Look at verse 38, the very next verse. She responds, she puts her yes on the altar. This is how Mary responds to this news. I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it be done to me, may it happen to me according to your word. And then the angel left her. And then what does she do? 
In those days, Mary set out and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah, where she entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped inside of her and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then, and then, I love this, she exclaimed with a loud cry. Look at the joy, look at the joy in this moment. Blessed are you among women and your child will be blessed. Look at the joy in that house. I, different than some of the Old Testament stories of pregnancy, of barren wombs, of, of women and, and who, who had prayed for a child. Oftentimes the stories of pregnancy in the Old Testament were filled with crisis, jealousy, envy, or drama. What do we see here? The opposite, we see joy. We see an old woman pregnant with life inside of her, a young woman pregnant with life inside of her, and we see joy, but don't miss this little detail. Inside Elizabeth is Jesus's cousin. His name is John. We call him John the Baptist. Not because he went to a Baptist church, but because he would eventually baptize people, including Jesus himself. And when Mary walks into the room, she verbalizes a greeting and Elizabeth hears her and, and Luke records this. I believe it's part of the, the apologetic of joy for Theophilus and for us that when Elizabeth heard Mary's voice, John the Baptist leaped. He jumped in her womb. I love this. He records this. There is joy in the presence of Jesus. So, so your life has been upside down? You've been disappointed? You've been filled with doubt? Get in the presence of Jesus. Read the words of Jesus. Study the life of Jesus. Sing songs about Jesus. Sing songs to Jesus. Watch the chosen because it's all about Jesus. Just get around the things of Jesus. The world is gonna steal your joy, but Jesus is the source of it. The goal is not a softer life. The goal is for me to surrender my life to Jesus. I don't want a softer life. I want a surrendered life. And when Mary gets there in the presence of her cousin, Elizabeth is filled with joy. She even verbalizes it. She greets her, blessed are you among women. And that child in your womb will be Blessed. I love how she puts her yes on the altar. May it be to me as you have said. And then she immediately goes to see her cousin so that their joy might be doubled and amplified. Hey, can I ask you a question? What would happen in your life if you prayed more like, more like Mary? Let's look at her prayer. Last point I'll make. You can worship your way out of the thing that you're most worried about. You can, you can, you can worship your way out of the thing that you are most worried about. Let's look at Mary's prayer of praise. If you, your Bible may call this Mary's Magnificat. It just means her, her song of praise, her worship, her hymn to God. Now Mary has gotten the news, the surprising news. Not only are you gonna have a baby and you've never had sex with a man, but you are gonna have to raise God's son. What? Do what now? So she puts her yes on the altar and she worships her way out of all the things that could worry her. These are her words, beginning in verse 46. And Mary said, 
My soul praises the greatness of the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Because the mighty one has done great things for me and his name is holy. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. And he has toppled the mighty from their thrones. And he has exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. Here is Mary who could have worried about a thousand details, choosing to worship her way out of the things that she could have worried about. This is how we fight for joy. This is where it comes from. Not from a softer life, but from a surrendered life. Not from an easy road, but a hard road walking hand in hand with Jesus. Our faith is in a Messiah who came to turn the world upside down, to elevate the humble and bring down the proud, to topple nations and kings and prime ministers and presidents and Caesars, to outlive and outlast every empire that would ever rise and fall. And here is Mary thinking, how can this be? Me? Me? I've never presumed to know why God picked Mary. He could have picked any woman on the earth, any Jewish woman in all of Israel. But I do know this, and I wanna leave you with this before we pray. In Mary's Magnificat, the verses that we just read, in those verses, church, there are 32 direct quotes and references to the Old Testament. This is not Pollyanna pie in the sky. Let's just think positive thoughts. This woman was anchored to the word of God. She knew the scripture. It poured out of her. When the pressure was put on her, the word of God poured out of her. That is joy. When the pressure is put on, the joy comes out. She knew the word and she quoted it and she sang it and she worshiped with it. Have you ever actually thought about Mary, this young teenage girl who gets this crazy message from an angel that she's gonna have a baby. She's never been with a man and that baby's gonna be the son of God. You talk about pressure. I hope that this reminds you that when you're under pressure, you have an example to look to in scripture. And for Mary, when the pressure was poured on, the worship poured out. I pray that for you, that when you feel the pressure of everyday life, when you feel all the things stacking up on you, even as Christmas approaches, and you've got plans to make and gifts to buy, money may be tight, there may be family chaos, 
Remember that when the pressure is poured on you, the worship can pour out of you if you have already put the Word of God in you. And that's what Mary shows us. This is the example I wanna follow. I wanna know the Word of God so much that when I get the news of something I can't control, or I am tempted to worry about something that I didn't really even do, I can go to the Word of God and I can have joy because the Word of God lives in me. So, as Christmas approaches and Advent season is upon us, remember Mary and remember how she responded when these things happened to her. You can do it too because the Word of God is in you. If you'd like to hear this message again, send it to a friend, or learn how to take a next step in your walk with Jesus, check us out at ClaytonKing.com.